Good morning, Southwest. Let's try that again. Good morning, Southwest. Hey, I want to welcome you uh, to our second encounter. Uh, just for the record, our encounters from here on out, unless you hear otherwise, will be in the auditorium. And as Mr. Wass said, when you guys come in, just make sure to find a spot that's taped off so that you can maintain physical distancing. It's my pleasure uh, this morning to welcome you guys uh, to encounter and a very, to welcome a very special guest this morning that we've had. Uh, how many of you, just out of curiosity, have heard, as you came in, you probably saw his name and saw um, two pieces of art out front. How many of you have heard of Eric Samuel Tim before? Okay, um, looks like a number of you guys have. Eric has joined us before at Southwest uh, to paint two uh, different pieces and share a message with us. You guys can observe those if you didn't see him on your way in. They're out there. Um, and he's going to join us today to share what's on his heart. Eric is a speaker who has um, reached out to over 3 million people in 36 different countries. He's uh, local here in Minnesota. He's got three kids with sweet names. Xavier, who's here today. Xander and Zeta. And uh, Eric's coming just to share, like I said, what's on his heart, share some of his gift with us this morning. And he's coming fresh off of uh, a tour, which is kind of cool, uh, with Toby Mack. Uh, just got back Monday from that tour. So um, if you guys could say a word of prayer with me, and then we'll welcome Eric. God, I thank you so much uh, for this morning. Thank you so much again that we could be present here, physically present in this building together. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to gather in your name, to be united under the banner of the cross. God, thank you for the um, work that you are doing in us, and I ask and pray you'd continue it as we encounter you this morning. And I ask and pray that your blessing and spirit would hover over and anoint Eric, that his words would speak not just to our minds, but our hearts, that, God, you would draw us to yourself as a result of what happens this morning. We plead with you for that, God, because we need you desperately, and pray this in the name of the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome with me, Eric Samuel Tim. You guys got better than that. Come on, let's hear it. There we go. What's up? Look at somebody who's like sitting a good ways away from you and say, you look good. And then say, now say this, but keep your stinking distance. No, I'm just kidding. Let me open up the Bible real quick. Hey, uh, listen, my name is Eric Samuel Tim. I'm from Minnesota. Uh, I, I'm an author, an artist, um, a preacher, a, a Netflix subscriber, a Disney Plus subscriber, a bunch of subs Never mind. He, listen, I've thought about this, by the way. If you or your mom and dad steal Netflix, like if you just borrow someone's password, when you get to heaven, your room's going to have cable and it's going to have one channel and one show, Touched by an Angel, all right? If you've ever seen that show, it's lame. All right, John, let's read from the book of John. John 14, 27 and 28. Jesus says this to us. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, so do not let your heart be troubled. Do, do not worry, nor do not be fearful. Jesus says, peace I give to you, so don't worry and don't fear. Just by a show of hands, how many of you, like this last, uh, let's just say, run of events, like when February happened and then March and then COVID and we're all in the thick of it all, how many of you have ever had that emotion, worry or fear, 
rise to the surface in your life in the past four months? Put your hand up. Just put it up. Like you're worried about how school's going to go, what's it going to be like. Put it up all the way. Put it up. Worry and fear. I really think that's kind of where we're at, like, as people. When we think about the emotion that's been there for the last few months, it's, it's worry and, and fear. Why are you sitting six feet from someone? Why are you sitting, uh, why are we wearing masks? At the end of the day, it's about protecting others and doing our best to protect ourselves and the knowledge we have about uh, disease that we've really never have seen before as the world has slipped into this. But the raw emotional response could be compassion, but it's always seemingly in my own life as well as maybe in yours by the show of hands by the hundreds in here. And maybe if you're watching online or you're watching uh, on Friday and I'm not here, but you are at Encounter on Friday and you're watching this, the emotion is worry and fear. So let's talk about those two things today, worry and fear. Let's talk about worry first. When I was a kid, I wanted to ride this one water slide. How many of you have ever been to Wisconsin Dells? Okay, perfect. Wisconsin Dells released this pamphlet that said there was this speed slide. It was called Demon's Drop, and it was like way up there, like 16 stories tall. It seemed like that. It wasn't, but in my mind, it was huge. And I was in junior high, okay? And I, you had to be 103 pounds to ride this ride, all right? Now, if you were 102, I don't know, you died. I'm not sure, okay? You had to be 103, and they made you stand on a scale. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a water park before. How many of you just by a show of hands, or let me hear if you've ever been to a water park before? Okay, most of you have. And I've seen most of you, if you're like my kids, you'll see a ride you want to ride, and you'll take off running for that ride, going like as fast as you can. The lifeguard will whistle at you, but you'll keep going the same speed, and you do this weird penguin constipation run. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you have ever done that? Like you've seen the lifeguard, or you've seen the water slide, and you take off running, and the lifeguard's like, walk, and then you know what I'm talking about? Anybody guilty of like the penguin uh, constipate? Okay, perfect. I ran to this water slide. The lifeguard whistled at me. I did that little weird thing. I went up to the top, and every water slide, if you look over the edge of a water slide, uh, it, it has those like little blue uh, or green or depending on like the color of the slide, I guess, but there's like these jets that shoot water into a pool. It's the little water area. You know what I'm talking about? The little area before the water slide. It's the little water area. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? The area of water. You know, the water area. Right? And it's always cold, the water area, the area of water. You know what I'm talking about? The water area. And I looked over the edge, and it's just like straight down. This slide is like straight down. And I'm like, I, I, I don't want to ride this. And he goes, well, you got to weigh you first, okay? And I'm like, what? I got to weigh you, remember? 103 pounds. So the lifeguard made me stand on a scale. And I'm hoping for 103 because I want to ride this ride. And it's like, and it went like 102. I was one pound short. So I went to McDonald's. How many quarter pounders do I have to eat? Four. That's right, class. If you said three, stay in school. 
there's a math teacher watching this. I told you you'd use it in real life. <laughs> okay, never mind. Your geometry teacher will always tell you that, right? Okay. So I stood on the scale. It went from 102. Actually, no, I went to McDonald's, had four quarter pounders. No, I'm kidding. I went to 103. I, I made it. The lifeguard's like, you can ride it. So I got into this little water area, the little area of water. You know, the water area. And I looked over the edge, and it's just straight down. And uh, I, like, sit down, and it's freezing cold. But it's, like, straight down. And the little water area, because it's straight down, I'm so afraid. I'm, like, like filled with worry about this slide. The water area got really warm really quick. You know what I mean? Anybody tracking with me on that one? Okay? There's a guy, like, like down in the bottom, like, you might want to move, man. Special treat coming your way. So the lifeguard says, all right, so when you go down this slide, you have to cross your arms like this and cross your legs like this. And I uh, hope you don't die. I'm like, well, that's encouraging. And I'm thinking, if I do die, check it out. I'm in the perfect position for them to, like, just straight load me in my coffin. They're, like, picking kids up out of the bottom. Call his mom. We got another winner. Give him a T-shirt. So I'm thinking on this water slide that if I go down, I can like literally go faster if I put my elbows and my ankles into the slide and I can do like this reverse human luge like stance. So I'm not going to follow the rules. I ain't going to do no like cross your legs, cross your arms crap. I'm going to like stick my elbows back and my heels in and I'm going to free fall my way. Okay, if I'm going to die, we're going to die fast, right? So it's like, okay, here we go. So the lifeguard comes over. He shoves me over the edge. I stick my arms up. I uncross my legs, and I'm going down the slide. And I, I'm literally free-falling, cascading, mock force of water coming in the opposite direction of my body. I get down to the bottom, and it's like... <laughs> my head skips like I'm in this blue chute. You've seen them at Valley Fair, you know, those speed slides? All of a sudden, <laughs> all the water shoots out of the tube. And I'm laying there, and I'm like, I'm not dead. And I look down, and I'm like, I'm not wearing any swim trunks. My mom liked to bleach my Ocean Pacific swim trunks, okay? And because of the swimming and the bleaching and the bleaching and the swimming, you know, the little yarn that holds your stuff together, it's called stitching. Yeah, that, like, got the tensile strength, okay? That's a scientific term to test the pressure on any sort of thread, like spider webs have a high tensile strength, okay? It got basically to the same tensile strength as, like, bunny tail, okay? Like, and it literally exploded. My swimming trunks completely ripped off of my body. Guys, you know the inside swimming suit? Guys, guys, the inside swimming suit, the one that gives you the rash? You know what I'm talking about, man. That's horrible. You know what I mean? You're walking around, you're like, huh, what's wrong? I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) But I'm in pain. (laughs) Guys, you know what I'm talking about? That ripped too. Ladies, my swimming suit went over to my right side of my body. The water then shoved it up in my armpit. And I'm laying in this blue chute in junior high, and I'm trying to cover up with water, okay? But that stuff's clear. You know what I'm talking about? So I yell at the lifeguard. I'm like, help! He comes running over. And I'm like, walk. And he's like, okay. No, kidding. He comes over to me and he looks at me and he's like, what seems to... 
I see the problem. I took that little like red floaty thing and I ran like this through Wisconsin Dells trying to get to the safety of my Super Mario Brothers towel. Now, when I go to a water park with my kids, and like sometimes I remember that story, so there's a part of me that wants to just like to wear jeans, and my son, Xavier, he's like, Dad, what are you doing? And I'm just like duct taping my pants on. <laughs> like, I don't want to talk about that. Why? Because I worry about that the future will be like the past. Like I worry that the next time I ride a water slide, the, the future is going to be like the thing that happened in the past. That's what worry does. Worry is about a, well, a future that might be a constructed reality, not based in reality. Does that make sense? Like when we're worrying about something, we're usually worrying about something that's in front of us. When we think about worry or the idea of worry, where Jesus says, my peace I give to you, you don't have to worry. Worry is usually locked in the future. We worry about what's going to happen next week, about what's going to happen at that test that's in the future, about if we're going to be enough, if we're going to be liked, if we're going to be who we're going to be, what's going to happen. We worry about things locked in the future. And sometimes we make those realities up. Like we don't even have control over the future fully. So we worry about something and we construct a reality that's going to be negative because of what happened in the past that was negative. Do you see what happens? So I want you to think about this, okay? Because Jesus says this in in John 14, and I think it's so important for you as a high school student. I think it's so important for a middle school kid, for anybody growing up in a time where people are required to wear masks and sit six feet apart. I think the teachings of Jesus for your life, man, for, for this encounter moment, are so important for you. Whether you consider yourself a follower of Jesus or not, I think it's so important for you to hear what he has to say about worry and fear. Because if you plant worry, now if you hang around with worry long enough, uh, let me help you understand this metaphor. If you take worry, okay, like in your hand, and let's say you take worry, now this is a metaphor, okay? If you take worry and you plant it in your heart, and you hold on to it, you dwell on it, you sit with it, you keep it around, you know what that grows into? That tree that you plant worry, like grows from a seed, starts little, worry grows into this thing, this big huge tree, and guess what the fruit is on that tree? It starts with a word, begins with an A. Anxiety. Anxiety shows up in people's lives because worry was held on in their life. People are dealing with anxiety all the time. I mean, if you look at the stats with your generation and the word anxiety and what you're actually like dealing with from a clinical perspective, it's off the charts. You probably know somebody who's dealing with anxiety. You maybe even yourself have dealt with anxiety. You even maybe went to a doctor for anxiety, or you know somebody who's like on a medication for anxiety. You've probably heard that word. I'm just so anxious. I got so much going on. I've got 
so much that I have anxiety over. Panic attacks, shortness of breath. I mean, the list goes long, right, guys? Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Do you know where anxiety started? It started with worry. Do you know why Jesus says in John 14, don't worry? Because he knew it grows into full-blown anxiety. Now, here's just some practical uh, advice, okay? Because I've dealt with my fair share of worry, and I've held on to a lot of worry, and it's grown into anxiety. And the last couple months, I'm just going to shoot straight with you. Do you know that I'm a Bible teacher and a, like, a, like a public speaker? And do you know like when there is no public and there is no audience, there's no place to go, all the churches are closed, everything is shut down, do you understand like the kind of thing that that happened, like what that does to people that depend on a live audience for their income, for their calling, for their passions, for all these things? Students, I've been locked in this worry cage for a bit here. And I've been reading this. And I'm not telling you something uh, today at Encounter that I know. I'm telling you something that I'm learning. And Jesus is changing that in me. And I've been praying for all of you. I've been praying for all of you for today and on Friday when you watch this that something would sink in with you that you would take Jesus' teachings more seriously than the headlines of CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or whatever it is in our world that continues to stir that worry in us. So here's some practical application. I want you to throttle the input. What do I mean? If you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with worry about the future, and anxiety's little trick is it's going to try and tell you that your future is going to be like your past. That's, that's the trick. And if you're feeling like that, here's a little like, tip I have for you. Just one, one tip, and then I want to look to another teaching of Jesus for, for another revelation. How many of you have a cell phone? Okay, you have a cell phone? How many of you uh, like are on InstaG or Snappy Chatty or the TikToks? Okay, bunch of you. Yeah, whatever. Facebook. If you have a MySpace, you need to delete it if you're a teacher because it's weird. Nobody has that. Anyway, moving on. Like, you know what I'm talking about. All right, so how many of you have ever had that moment where your computer, your Mac or uh, your like PC computer, when you start to do a calculation and the wheel just starts spinning? How many of you have ever had that? Raise your hand. Okay, the wheel just, like, you do the calculation and then the, the thing just slows down and the computer does what? It comes to a halt. It can't do any more computations. It, like, you send this big movie file to render and then you're on the internet or, like, your phone. Have you ever have your phone lock up? And it's just like, I can't do this. It's, I, I cannot compute what you're asking me to compute. There's too many apps running. You need to shut down Candy Crush. You know what I'm saying? Like, that idea of just, it just locks up. Well, your brain, the way that God made you, is like a computer. It can only do so many calculations. There's a lot of study that you can read about on the University of Berkeley's website, on a bunch of other journals that Time Magazine uh, published about how you, as a student, can only take in uh, so many words per day. But when we're constantly on Instagram, when we're constantly on TikTok, when we're constantly bathed in information, your brain becomes just like that 
computer that locks up that gives you that color wheel or your phone that just seizes up. So what I'm telling you is if you're dealing with worry or you're dealing with anxiety, just a practical application is just simply this. You got to throttle the input. I'm going to say something, okay? And don't, don't pass out, but it's okay to go without your cell phone. Take a breath. I know. Take it in. It's hard. Just relax. It's okay not to be on social media for a day. You got to throttle the input. Any gearheads out there that like cars like I do, uh, if you have gas and like literally air and you mix the two together in a carbureted engine, if you have too much gas, the engine doesn't run right. If you have you know, not enough air, it chokes out. Uh, but what happens when we're constantly on social media, you, when you're constantly bathing your worry with information, what's happening inside of you as a student is, is simply just too much gas and you get bogged down and you, you, can't, you can't take it all in. You just can't. You just can't take it all in. You, you, you can't do the competition. You, you're, you're at a max. You're at a complete like ceiling where you have this wheel. So I'm just simply saying to you something practical that I've had to do that's helped me in my own worry and in the last couple months of the anxiety that I've been dealing with is John 14, 27, what Jesus says every day to me, do not worry. And then I've had to do something in the natural as he do, does it in the super. I've got to throttle the input. I've got to set my phone down. I've got to get off, I've got to get off the information overload. Does that make sense? So don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid to walk away from your cell phone or shut it off or put it in your pocket. Don't be afraid when, when you can take breaks from those things because if you continue to bathe yourself in information, you'll continue to stoke those fire. Uh, you'll you'll t continue to feed that worry. In this generation, in your time, you, you need to take Jesus' teaching serious and take it serious because I, I do not want to see any of you succumb to this thing that we call anxiety. Jesus says he gives you peace. Now, this is something that I really love in Matthew 6. I'll, I'll read it for you. Um, but you can study it later for your life. Jesus even says the cure for anxiety. If you, if you have a Bible, um, there's a little heading sometimes, and it says the cure for anxiety. I love what Jesus says. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or for your body, what you're going to put on. Isn't life more than food and, and clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, yet God feeds them, clothes them. Are you not more worthy than they? Who can add a single day to his life? Why are you worried about nothing? Something that God's really been teaching me from Jesus' teaching about the birds is just simply this. Have you ever seen, by a show of hands, have you ever seen a little nuthatch or a chickadee or like a bird we have in Minnesota in the summer? How many of you have ever seen like a little cute songbird? Put your hand up. It's okay. You can do it. Like, okay, most of you have seen this, like a little bird. You have? Okay. Just making sure you don't have your hand up. And I was like, Dude, like if you, you've never seen a chickadee, we need to get you outside like ASAP. 
But if you've seen that in summer, what happens in summer? There is all kinds of like fields, all kinds of flowers that are blooming. There's like the corn is everywhere you drive out in the country. I mean, do you think in summer the birds have quite a bit to eat? Yes or no? Yeah, I think so. I think if I had to wager, or when I look at like what's available in the woods, from everything, from all these growing beautiful green plants, that the birds have quite a bit to eat in the summer. Now what about the dead of winter in Minnesota? What about like February, like the end of February? Like when we're all questioning, when you go outside and your, your nose hairs freeze. You know what I'm talking about? We've all lived through those Minnesota winters. Yet, when I go out in my backyard, what's out in the backyard? Uh, uh, snow. Uh, a little nuthatch. A little chickadee. Those same little birds that live here. And in the winter, do you think that there's a ton to eat in the winter? Is there less to eat in the winter than there is in the summer? When you look, are there cornfields growing and beautifully green and everything's tasseled all in the winter? No, there's not. There's not. In, in the winter, it's a different ball game. Sometimes I look at birds out in my yard and I'm wondering how in the world are those little things alive? I walk outside in February for five minutes with no gloves and I can't feel my hands and this little thing is out there 24-7 and it's perched on branches with their little claw feet which are weird, but you know what I'm talking about. You've never seen one, so you wouldn't know, but we'll get you one. So what am I saying to you? Students, what am I saying to you? I'm saying this, that that bird has got provision in summer and winter. And Jesus says this to you, aren't you more precious than those birds? Your father provides for you. God God watches over us in winter and in summer. So if I had to guess, if I had to wager, a lot of us, maybe in this room, teachers, I'm talking to you too, we're in a season of winter. But God provides for those birds in winter and in summer. Those birds in and out of season have what they need. So do not worry. Do not hang around with worry. The world gives you worry. Jesus gives you peace. Those birds in and out of season have provision and so do we. We're just maybe in a winter. Maybe school doesn't look like it always did. Maybe it's more like winter than it is summer. But God's going to provide. He's going to make provision. He'll make a way. Do not worry. Because if it grows into those things, that thing called anxiety, it's a different ballgame. That's why Jesus says don't worry. Let's talk about the other thing, fear. How many of you have ever had your mom ask you uh, to go down to the basement to bring like some pickles downstairs? And you're like, or whatever, just bring something downstairs. And you're like, where do you want me to bring it? Downstairs. Why are you freaking out? Because you just watched that movie you shouldn't have watched. And you're like, mom, do you want me to go 
like downstairs, downstairs? Yeah, just bring those downstairs. And you're like, just, she's like, take these pickles, bring them downstairs. And all you hear is, but downstairs pickles. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? And you go downstairs. How many of you have gone downstairs? And you're like downstairs, you're just putting the pickles away. And then you're like, you turn around and you run up the stairs because there's something behind you. You're convinced. You're like, oh man, there's some clap if you've ever done that. You like clap if you've ever done that. So you're clapping because you went downstairs and your mom, and then you run up. You know what I'm talking about? Or you like get into bed. How many of you have ever done that? You flip off the light switch. It's over by this wall and your bed. It's way over there by that wall. And you, you, you run and then you jump. Clap if you've ever done that. Click. And then you're like, oh, and you just like long jump into your bed. Why? Because Smeagol from Lord of the Rings is under there ready to eat you. You know what I'm talking about? One night I got ready for bed. I flipped off the light switch. I was a kid. It was about Xavier's age, my son who's with me today, uh, 11 or 12. Flipped off my light switch. I ran. I jumped into my bed. I'm laying in my bed. And I don't know if you've ever been laying in your bed and you heard a noise. You know what I'm talking about? He's laying there and all of a sudden, and you're like, what was that? You know what I'm saying? You hear a noise, you're like, you wake up, you can't go back to sleep because there's something in there. There's a velociraptor in your room. You know what I mean? Like a huge dinosaur. Whatever. If there ever was a velociraptor, you think hiding underneath the covers is going to help? No. But that's what we do. You hear a noise and you go, can't get me. You know what I'm saying? So I pulled the covers up over my head. I'm laying in my waterbed. I don't want to talk about it. I had a waterbed. I was weird, all right? My mom was like, good night. I'm like, good night, mom. Love you. See you in the morning. I'm going out past the covers tonight. Okay. Some of you are like, past the covers? That was crafty. So I heard this noise. I covered up underneath the sheets, and then something pulls the sheets off of my bed. There's something at the foot of my bed. I don't, I don't know what it is. I'm not going to go looking for it either. All I know is the sheets are gone. I'm laying in my bed, my water bed. I'm like, I don't want to die. This hand grabs my ankle, okay? I look down. I'm like that moment where your brain's processing it faster, so you're just spitting sentence fragments. I'm like, hand, ankle. Oh. I screamed like, oh! so loud, okay? My dad walks in my room, okay? He's laughing like his head off. He flips the light switch on and uh, he takes $5 out of his wallet and he gives it to my sister who he paid $5 to hide underneath the corner of my waterbed to scare me half to death, okay? And you laugh, but I had to go to counseling, buddy, okay? For like a whole, like, and it really became a waterbed in the moment, by the way. You know what I'm saying? The blue water area, you know what I mean? Never mind. But ever since I've had that moment, there's a part of me, even as an adult, like that walks up to my bed, okay? And I, and like, I've been married for, you know, 20 years. My wife's amazing. And I, I do this still, like when I get into my bed, I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, there's a part of me that just sort of, you know, once in a while it'll come back. Why? Because I, I have this little bit of fear. So Jesus says in John 
14, he says, do not worry and do not fear. And just like when you take worry and you plant it in your heart and you hang along with worry, it grows into a tree and that tree has fruit. And what's the fruit called? Anxiety. And we got to throttle the input and we got to take Jesus at his word that the birds in and out of season have provision. So don't worry about the future. God's got it. But fear, fear is this thing where when we plant it in our hearts, when we hang along with fear long enough, that grows into a tree too. And it bears fruit. That tree grows up in your life and it bears fruit when, when you have fear. And guess what that fruit's called? It's called depression. These are big words that you've heard. But depression has its root in fear. It's usually locked in the past too. Anxiety is locked in the future about worrying about something that's yet to come and fear is usually locked in the past about something that already happened. And fear grows into sadness and sadness grows into depression. So my challenge for you, if that's you, is to move from fear to fear. What do you mean by that? Well, if you've ever thought or you've, you've dealt with fear, or you're dealing with fear, or maybe you know someone who's dealing with depression. Asking for help, by the way, isn't what's wrong with you, it's what's right with you. And you might need to have a loving, caring adult help navigate this process in your life. So don't ever be ashamed for asking for help when it comes to the things that we fear and it comes to the things that grow into full-blown other issues. I mean, it's not weird if you get cut on your arm, and you go, you know, get a Band-Aid, right? That's not weird. It's not weird if someone was in a car accident, God forbid, that that would happen, that you would call, you know, an ambulance and they would come help you, or you broke your arm, you know, at, at you know, I don't know, choir, chess, I don't know, it was a full contact chess match, whatever. And, and it, it, would, you, it wouldn't be weird for you to go to a doctor and get a, like a sling and a cast for that arm, right? Does anybody think that would be weird to go to a doctor if you were hurt? No, it, it's not weird. It's physical like ailment that we have. But when it comes to something that maybe we're dealing with mentally, uh, especially in the aspect of fear or, or maybe even that big word depression, we all of a sudden go, whoa, they, I'm not going to go ask for help. They're going to think something's weird with me. Can I just tell you, if you ever ask for help in your life, it's not what's wrong with you. That's what's right with you. You can read in Proverbs on your own time about the wisest guy that Scripture records, Solomon, what he has to say about asking for help. It's like 30 verses about counsel and wisdom that comes in that. But in the book of Jonah, there's two words, or one word rather I want to focus on, uh, called yira. It's the Hebrew word for fear, okay? Everybody say yira with me. One, two, three. Yira. Yira. It's the Hebrew word for fear, okay? Yira is actually how you'd say it. And, and listen, it's also the word for fear, like dread and terror, that thing underneath your bed. But it's also the word for awe and respect or wonder, same word, okay? In English, we got about 100,000 words. In Hebrew, you got around 4,000. So some words mean different things. Does that make sense? 
It'd be like painting a picture with, um, you know, 100,000 colors or only 4,000 colors, and some of those colors have to be mixed, and you have to understand those colors differently. Well, the Hebrew word for fear is yura, and it means dread and terror, the thing underneath the bed, clowns, okay? I hate clowns. You know what I'm talking about? Fear, that kind of fear, and it also means awe and respect or reverence, okay? Revere, or where we actually get that word reverence. That's actually in that root form based in the word yira. Does that, is that even tracking? Do you see the two parallels? So you got this guy named Jonah, okay? And you might know the story about Jonah, but Jonah is called by God to go this direction. He goes the other direction. He's on this boat. This huge storm comes up that's going to overtake this boat, and Jonah pipes up. He says, I am a Hebrew. I, yira, fear the Lord God of heaven, okay, who made the dry sea uh, the sea and the dry land. So do you think Jonah, when he says, I am a Hebrew and I fear God, do you think he's talking about dread and terror? Or do you think he's talking about awe and respect? Awe and respect. So he says, I have awe and respect for the God of heaven. Uh, I revere, I have reverence towards him. So they take Jonah and they say, well, you're the one causing this storm because you're running from what God has asked you to do. So they chuck him overboard. They literally throw him in the ocean. And this huge sea. Okay, and the Bible records what happens to him next, but I want to focus on the, the men that were left on the deck. These guys that threw Jonah overboard in verse 16, chapter 1 of the book of Jonah. Then the men feared the Lord greatly. They yira the Lord and they offered sacrifice and made vows. So now they had dread and terror in verse 10. The men became extremely yira frightened, dread and terror, and then those same men, yira the Lord greatly. What am I telling you is just simply this. If you're dealing with fear about something that happened in the past that's trying to be projected into your future, and you're dealing with that fear, and that's grown into some other emotions, I want you to move from fear to fear. I came here today to tell you to move from fear to fear. Move from this fear and dread and terror of what was or what happened and move into fear or a year awe and wonder and respect that God can make happens out of anything. People ask me all the time, why does, why does this bad thing happen? I don't know. Sometimes for no reason. Sometimes it's just a stinking tragedy. Sometimes it's just a global pandemic. Sometimes it's just the weirdest time alive to be a high school kid. But I do know this. Jesus says in John 14, do not worry and do not fear. I don't know why everything happens. But I do know that God can make reasons for anything that does. Move from fear about the past, about what's in the rearview mirror, and move to awe and respect and wonder that God's got the future for every single one of you in here. I'm going to... Um, paint for you and I want to leave you with one final story about worry and fear and I pray this just marks you as a kid as a student as someone navigating a crazy time that we live in so I know that there's been a lot of discussion in your world about the future and the past and Jesus says in John 14 do not worry and do not fear and that is so important for you to grab today, especially now. 
Because worry and fear are showing up at every corner. You hang around with worry, it grows into anxiety. Throttle the input, and remember, the birds in and out of season has provision. The future belongs to God. And, and do not fear. I know it's easy for us to have dread and terror, but I'm asking you to take one step towards awe and wonder. Don't fear the past. Have awe and reverence and respect for what God can do in your future. When I was in um, Nicaragua, this was before I had kids, I went on a trip to this other part of the world. And my wife and I were trying to have babies. We're trying to start a family. And we actually had a hard go at it. And what I mean by that is we had to, like, to bury two other kids. Where she got pregnant and the pregnancy didn't work. And do you know that you're a miracle, that you're even here? Like, you, you, you were knit together in, in your mother's womb. Like, God made you by hand. He spoke the world, but he made you by hand. Do you know that? Well, as a dad standing on the other side of that, looking at a child who didn't make it into the world because of this chromosomal-like anomaly, I'm literally picking up the pieces with my wife, steeped in worry and fear that we're going to have to go through this again or that we would never have kids. I met this lady on a dirt floor in the middle of Nicaragua, and she had a daughter. This daughter had hands that were definitely flexed because of the way that her body was being tormented by a disease called cerebral palsy. And her hands couldn't quite straighten out and she couldn't quite straighten up and she was on that same dirt floor but she was elevated on what looked to be like a homemade wheelchair that was made from scrap bicycle parts. And I just asked this lady about having kids, about her daughter, specifically this question, what has God done for you and, and for your daughter? And she said these words. She says, since I've been a follower of Jesus, I don't worry about the future. And I don't fear what happened to her in the past. All I know is that since I've been following Jesus, my daughter used to have three seizures every week. And now she only has one a month. And in my mind, and maybe in yours, I was searching for the miracle. I was searching for the comfort in that. And the Holy Spirit's dealt with me ever since. Sometimes it looks a little different than what we expect. Sometimes provision looks differently than what we plan. Sometimes the things in our past look bigger and God rewrites them into our future to be the very thing that launches us into it. All I know is this. Her story and her perspective about worry and fear over her daughter and the disease that was impacting her life impacted mine. 
And it led me to this place in John 14, 27, where Jesus says to you and he says to me, don't worry and don't fear. I know there's a lot going on, but God's bigger than anything that's going on. My name's Eric Samuel Tim. It's been an honor to be here. If you want to connect with me on InstaG or Snappy Chatties, that's great. If not, make sure you check out a leadership academy and a podcast that I run called The Axe Academy. The Axe, A-X-E, like a hatchet, academy. I answer the questions that you're actually asking. I go through topics and questions that you may have, but all rooted soundly as I can make them in the Word of God. Thanks for coming to the counter. Thanks for being here today and on Friday. Do not worry and do not fear. Jesus gives you that peace. God bless. Thank you for listening in on our Encounter podcast. You can find previous Encounter recordings and who will be coming in future weeks on our Southwest Christian High School webpage, www.swchs.org. Click on Student Life and Encounter. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, keep your eyes fixed, not on speakers, teachers, or institutions, but on Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith.